Good morning. Ed Church is with us today. Ed, move your head just a little bit. Okay, amen. Would you open us a word of prayer? Amen. If you did your Sunday school lesson and did your memory verse, you'll notice the main theme of today is the need of the shedding of blood, okay, for the forgiveness of sin. I was on the street corner, one of our newer people coming was there with me because most of the street preachers were gone. They're up north, someplace they're camping, and so there was my wife and I, and um, Jared Wheeler, that's it, got it, okay, we were there in, in Fulton yesterday, and it was very interesting and stuff to watch the way people respond when I'm on the corner singing, what can wash away our sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus, and uh, I'm sorry, it's something, that, you know, my wife made mention of this, you know who got the most upset about us being there? Women. We had a, you know, a 10 to 1 positive response. But about of the 20, 30 negative responses, because that shows you how many responses we had while you were there for the, the hour, they were so very upset, okay, over the blood of Jesus Christ. See, because, you know, people don't want to believe. That's the same issue it's always been for mankind. Right? Cain got upset because... Abel's blood sacrifice was accepted. And Cain's work of his hands was not. And so when you tell somebody, you know, it's even the fact when Moses was trying to do something, his wife Zipporah told him this is a bloody religion when they had circumcision. And you never, can never forget that. It is a bloody religion. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, what? Cleanses us from all sin. And so, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon your houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And God delivered through the blood of the Lamb. And you need to remember that it's not just the death of Jesus Christ, as some people have tried to say. And what we find in Exodus chapter 12 is the story of this. Okay, and I won't read the whole chapter for the sake of time, but I want you to go to verse 11. And after that, before that, you know, you find in Exodus 12, verse 3, it says, A lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. In verse 4, it says, And for the house for to be little for the lamb. And let his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating, you shall make count for the lamb. Verse 5 says, your lamb. That is the key, isn't it? There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It can't be just any sacrifice. It can't be a lamb. It has to be a specific one. And it does you no good until it becomes yours. 
I just gave you a, a quick lesson in soul winning. You, it has to become theirs. Okay, and so you see this. Now if you jump down to verse 11, and thus shall ye eat it. This is the, the lamb that was sacrificed, and they put the blood. I got offended this week. There was things put out in the news, and I read on, the, you know, on my, my pad and stuff that came through, and it showed rainbow on the two sides of the doorpost and over the top of it. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying with that? It's a direct attack on the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, why are you reaching? Because I have to silence my phone. I don't want Sylvia laughing anymore as it starts quacking. She gets all quacked up? Yeah, okay. So we see in verse 11, And thus shall ye eat it, and with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it with, in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. We're going to talk about that a little bit. It's important when you look at verse 11 there to understand what, how were they ready when they ate. Ready to what? Ready to go. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. It was the blood that saved those who were willing and ready. I asked you, are you ready? You know, so many times, you don't know when you go to deal with a person if they're ready or not, do you? Does that mean you don't deal with them about their salvation? See, you don't know, God knows. And you need to be ready with an answer for the hope that what? Lieth within you. And you see here, it was the blood. How many, now can you quote for me? If you have the right Bible, because it's missing. And I said this last week, in, one, in most of the Bibles, newer Bibles, and that's Colossians 1.14. Turn there. Read it to me. Philippians, Colossians. You there? In whom we have what? In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The cost of deliverance and salvation has been established from the very beginning. It's the blood. Now it has to be a, a lamb without spot or blemish, and that's something we'll talk about a little bit later in this. Okay, But what it did is that blood... It was the blood of the Lamb that saved them from the death angel. And it marked the beginning for them, see? And I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. See, it's happening, and you notice, look at verse 2. 
of this chapter, speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to their house, their fathers a lamb for an house. The congregation of Israel, it's the beginning for them. It's the beginning of salvation for everyone who believes. It's a new beginning. You are not who you were before you got saved. Now the world will try to tell you are. Your struggle sometimes is that, that transformation's taking place. For he hath begun a good work and you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 I was dealing with somebody this week and I said you've got to ease up on yourself because the devil will try to destroy you with guilt. Okay? You need to realize you're a work in progress. As you think like the world, you will act like the world. As you surrender your heart, your mind, and will to the Word of God and to the Savior, you'll start thinking more like the Savior. See? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's present tense imperative. It's a progress that's taking place in your life. Are become new. It didn't. Don't you wish sometimes it, God just said, I gave you a new, new heart and a new mind and you never had to be tempted with the things of the world anymore? God doesn't want automatrons. He wants people who will choose Him because He chose them. It was a lamb that was a male, Exodus 12 in verse 5. And it was without blemish. They had to give their best without blemish. 1 Peter 1 and verse 19 tells us, let's go to verse 18. And this says, For as much as ye know, and do you know that this morning? For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, your vain manner of life, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. For you. It's a lamb without spot or blemish. What did John the Baptist proclaim when Jesus came to him at the waters of Jordan? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Okay? You need to understand that. You need to remember that it, the Lamb was their only hope. Their only hope. Jesus said, and this was proclaimed on the corners yesterday, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. There was no life. There was no hope without the blood of the Lamb. Now look at 1 Timothy 1.
First Timothy one. Verse one said that's second Timothy, excuse me, I'm on the wrong page. You've never done that before, have you? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our what? Our hope. A hope beyond a grave. A hope through this life. A hope beyond this life. A hope for all eternity. We have it now. In eternity is no longer hope, because that which is seen is no longer hoped for. Okay, so... The Lamb was their only hope. And notice, life came through death. The Lamb gave its life for the blood to be shed for the death angel to pass over them. I am what? Crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I but the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's why you're told in Romans chapter 6, Reckon ye yourselves likewise dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Life came through death. The Lamb's blood was applied to the upper and the side post of the door. You kind of have the same picture. You know, every time you see the picture of the three crosses, is the one in the center at the same elevation as the other two? It's a little higher. So don't you know, with his arms outstretched, his blood was shed here, his arms were out here, and if it's a true picture, because he was crucified alive, not dead. You know what I'm saying with that? He wasn't put on the cross dead, the blood was flowing out. Until he gave up the ghost, because they didn't kill him. He gave up the ghost. When the soldier stuck the spear in his, under his fifth rib into his heart, it says water and blood came out. And that's because he had already gave up the ghost, given up his life. But before that point, the blood was across and dropping down. The blood of the Lamb was not applied to every house. God allowed the destroyer to kill every firstborn Hebrew and Egyptian and animal. Every Egyptian experienced, every Egyptian house experienced death. You notice they said he, every Hebrew? Because you aren't told this, but what happens if they did not apply the blood? What happened to the Hebrews? Their firstborn male child would what? Die. Now maybe I'm reading through the lines, but you know you'll always find rebellious people. If they didn't put the blood on, right? What if they thought, you know, I've done it my way. God's got to count for something for that. No. 
I see the blood. I will pass over you. I had someone one time on the street corner and I'm singing, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. They go, what do you mean washed in the blood of the Lamb? It's a concept they can't even think about. And such were some of you, but now ye are washed. Okay? It takes away the sin. You know, what would have happened if a house did everything? They had the lamb. They had, what's the proper term, Gabriel? Is that a seder? Okay? That is, I'm not sure I'm using the right word, because that family, they do that each year. I've had the privilege of being over when Brother Joe leads his family through the Passover meal and explains how every part and portion of the meal and every action points to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now you eat the, the bitter herbs, you eat the lamb, you eat the whole... Some of that stuff, I'm glad I'm not a, a Jew. Okay. But every part of it points to that. What if they had done everything? They had taken the lamb, they had killed the lamb, they had got dressed, they had gotten ready, they had their feet shod, they had their coats on, and they ate the meal. But they didn't apply the blood. You need to understand it's only God's way. It's not my way. It's not your way. It's not good intentions. It's God's way. What if they'd used grape juice? Now we use it as a memorial because God commanded against the drinking of blood, didn't he? I have a question. The firstborn died. When the blood wasn't there, would that firstborn's death contribute to maybe the death angel passing over them? See, it's, it's only one way. We can never lose sight of that. Proverbs 16 and verse 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Go to Matthew 17. We're coming back to Exodus. Matthew 17. Excuse me. No, Matthew 7. I apologize. Matthew 7. Verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate and what? Narrow. What? Narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Only God's way. It doesn't make any difference how you feel about that. You ever notice when you, you, you witness the people that say, Yeah, but I feel... And I've had to say to them, your feelings can deceive you. Your feelings 
can cause you to make wrong choices because maybe it feels good at one point. But afterwards, what? See, your salvations are based on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with how you feel about it. Some people have emotional conversions. They're trusting by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's very extreme. Mine was an extreme emotional situation when I got saved. It didn't make me any more saved than somebody who you talk to, and they understand that, and you look at them. They're willing to declare that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. They're willing to have the blood applied spiritually and eternally. And they pray to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the tone of their voice hardly changes. And there's no excitement. There's no tears. There's nothing else. Because it's not on feelings. It's on faith. Man looketh on the outward appearance. God looketh upon the heart. So we have this. So the blood of Jesus Christ is applied by faith to your heart. And when it is then God's judgment will pass over you. Isn't that a blessing? That supper that they were eating in Exodus chapter 12 marked a brand new beginning. It was the foundation for them. A foundation for them. It's also the foundation for the New Testament. Matthew 26. Let me see here. Matthew 26, starting at verse 17. Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread the disciples came to, now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the passover and he said go into the city to such a man and say unto him the master saith my time is at hand i will keep the passover the passover at thy house with my disciples and the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written." written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It hath been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, for this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which shall be shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the, of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. See, they were told 
to have this meal every year, right? It was a once-a-year event for the, the Hebrew people, okay? And he gave it to them, and it was a commandment to them. It was a memorial. What is a memorial supposed to do? Cause you to remember. Cause you to remember. God did never want the Hebrews who became the nation of Israel to forget their deliverance. And they rehearse it year after year. Do you know something? God doesn't want you to forget your deliverance. Make your calling election sure, for in so doing ye shall what? Not fall. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Can you remember the time, the place? It's always best to remember the date and the time of when you prayed to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. How many of you in here at one point or another, at some point, started questioning your salvation because of something that came into your life? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I want you to think about it. See, because your emotions will cause you to doubt. But the truth of God's word is sure. So it was a memorial. They didn't want them to forget. It was an ordinance. Ordinance is a fancy word for a command. It was commanded them. You know what I like about this? Guess what it was for? And you shall keep it, verse 6, until the 14th day of the same month in the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take it, take of it the blood and strike it on the two side posts of the upper door of the house where they, and they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh that night and roast it with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs so they shall eat it. Okay? And it was one lamb for each what? It's for each household. Think about that. It was for the what? The whole family. It wasn't just for the mom and dad. It was for the whole family. You know why that's important? Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Doesn't mean that they won't go off, but they will come back to it. It was for the whole family. Has it been for your whole family? It needs to be. We had a woman, loved dearly, got saved in another church, moved here, became part of this congregation for a lot of years. And every time she tried to deal with her daughter, who had made a profession of faith as a young teen, but she pulled away and was living in the world, and every time that she would try to deal with her daughter and try to bring her back to the Lord. She'd go, well, you used to. You did this and you did that. And you know what it, you know what it comes down to? Yes, I did. And it was wrong for me. So it doesn't mean that it's right for you. It's never wrong to do right. And it's never too late 
to let the Lord change you if you're willing. Amen? Amen? But you've got to be willing to let them do so. This is what they were going to be learning from this. Okay? As a church family, that's one thing, you know, there are some denominations that go out and the, the, the pastor and sometimes the priest will carry a communion set with them and have communion at an individual's house. We do it as a church family. Now, we allow those who visit and come in to partake with us, right? don't have to be a member here to partake. But you got to come in to the family's house to do so. So we don't practice at other places. We don't. Okay? Because this is a church family. In a family... You sometimes don't like your brother or sister. Sometimes you don't like your mother or father. Sometimes you don't like your children. But you're still what? You're still family. And they were to partake of it together. It's something that draws them together. It's not in the, the lesson, but it's very important if you have children to have a family meal. The world tries to make it so, you know, this kid eats at this time, this one eats at this one, the parents are so busy they eat at this time. No. Take time to come apart and come together. It makes a difference in the family. That's why periodically we do the Lord's table. It makes a difference in the family. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Just as they were supposed to remember their deliverance, We are to remember what Jesus did for us. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this what? And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. It calls us to remembrance and it calls us to a fellowship around what Christ did for each and every one of us. And we all become part of the body, don't we? Okay. Go back to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. The blood's been on the doorpost. Now it's time to get out. It's time to leave. It's a grand exit. Exodus chapter 12, they left, verse 29, and it came to pass at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn of the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of all, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. When it's too late to change, 
then there's tears and mourning and questioning. So many times we don't witness because we're afraid how they're going to respond, how they're going to react. How is it afterwards when it's too late? And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get ye forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said and be gone. And bless me also. <laughs> it's a little late for that, isn't it? And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We, all be, dead, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened and their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the, the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses and they borrowed of the Egyptians. Can I just borrow your power tool? <laughs> and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such thing as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians. Yeah, they took their stuff. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men. Okay, 600,000. See, we're talking how many people left there. There was probably in the millions. Men, some of them married, maybe some of them not, but most of them wives and their children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and the flocks and the herds, even very much cattle. There were some that because the Hebrews had put blood on the doorposts, it says a what? A mixed multitude. It wasn't just those of the 12 tribes. There's some that got in on the blessing by learning from God's people the way of deliverance. See it? A million of them. You know, yeah, I love the fact that Moses had spent 40 years being a shepherd so he could learn to lead God's flock. 40 years. God prepared him for that. God had prepared Moses in private before he used him in public. God did the same with David. Shepherd his father's flocks before he's ready to lead his people. So many people, they want the public acknowledgement without the private dedication and training. Do we do what we do to be seen of men or do we do what we do in obedience to Christ? Do we do what we do right just in front of people or do we do right when it's just in front of God. See the lesson with it? Notice in verse 29, and it came to pass at <clears throat> what time? Midnight. <coughs> it was midnight. Sometimes God does the greatest things in the darkest hour. Sometimes when it seems too dark around you and you've, been, you've obeyed God and you have to wait on Him for His timing, 
it gets dark and you can't see your way. But if you're living by faith, you can follow the one who knows the way. Amen? Who was going to deliver them? God was. They couldn't deliver themselves. And sometimes, you know, it's always the darkest before the dawn, before you get to see. Okay? Do you know when the sun goes to set or the sun comes up, you know, it's always, if you're on the mountaintop, it's bright. But if you're in the valley, sometimes it's dark. See, so I want you to know, you could be going through a valley, you could be in a midnight time in your life. Don't doubt by faith what God says. Because he will deliver you. It's not based on how you feel. It's based on what God says he will do. Still with me? The Egyptians, I love it, just lent. I just gave it to them. Just take this and leave. I've told Judy many times, when I loan somebody a tool, I want it back. But I don't always expect it back. I've loaned people money, and I, Judy and I have talked about it. We've helped some people at different times, gotten in a tight place, and we would loan them money. And she'd look at me and she says, do you think this is ever coming back? And I go, well, I hope so. <laughs> but if it doesn't, it's not going to change. I'm not going to let that destroy me being a friend to that person. Okay? If you're going to lend it, be willing to have it be gone. All right? Can you lend me some time, please? <laughs> so that was given to them. We see that, and we read in verses 35 and 36, they gave them this stuff. And I want you to know this. If God is guiding you, hi, Jamie, God will provide for you. Heard a testimony from them this week, just touched my heart. Wanting to be where God would have them to be. Now, as one of their pastors, I didn't want them leaving here, but they need to be where God would have them to be. They were looking for a church before they looked for their house. They were looking for a church before they're looking, well, is there any place if we need to, can we get part-time work? People will move for their work, Christians, and not have taken the time to see if they should even take the job if there's a Bible-believing church they can be at when they're there. Just saying. Just saying. Isaiah 58. Look at verse 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. Where he guides, he provides. I have... One of my sons, my daughter-in-law, two of my grandchildren with us, finally. The other kids don't live here. We have one of them with us. This is not the state they wanted to live in. It is not. But they knew this is where God wanted them to what? 
be. They're seeing hands full of purpose as they go along. It gets scary sometimes. And I want you to understand it. it. God provides in that dark time. It's when it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, then it happens. God doesn't keep you from trials. God doesn't keep you from tribulation. God doesn't keep you from troubles. He brings you through them. Through them. And you know how you got to have the right attitude about this? Turn to Psalm 24. Now, we all know, or you should know, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine, what? Enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for... Why can he do that? Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the... In the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. It all belongs to who? To God. See, it's not about you and what's yours. It's about Him and what's His. No, you're not. You're bought with a price. You're not of yourselves. Therefore glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are God's. He'll protect you. Okay? This brings us back to Exodus 13, and we're, we're going to make it. Believe it or not, we're going to make it. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whosoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of hand of the Lord, for by strength of hand of the Lord, for by strength of hand the Lord besought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. He turned and tells them they're going to be practicing the Passover. And he tells them how they're going to do it. It should be a memorial in verse 9. Okay, and you're supposed to keep this in his season year to year. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring the land of the Canaanites, verse 11. As they swear unto you, then they fathers, and they give it to thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, every firstling that cometh of a beast which hast thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of the ass shall redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shall thou redeem. And it shall be. When thy son maketh thee, or asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this? That thou shalt say unto him, By the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us, by the strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, 
both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, both males or being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand and a frontlet between thine eyes, for by strength of the hand of the Lord, by strength of the hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God let, led them through the way which the land of the Philistines. Okay, led them not through the way. The land of the Philistines. You guys didn't say anything when I was reading that. I was trying to make a point. He didn't lead them one way. He led them away from the Philistines. And that was near. That would have been the quick trip. That would have been the fast route. Okay? I want you to know God led them as if they were sheep. Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 52. But he made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock, and he led them on safely, so that they feared not, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he brought them to the border of his sanctuary, even unto this mountain which his right hand had purchased. He led them as a flock. During the day he led them by a pillar of the cloud, and by night by a pillar of fire. Okay, you can see Exodus 13, verse 21, 22. How does God lead today? By His Word. He actually leads by His Holy Spirit through His Word. So don't say the Lord led me or the Spirit led me when it contradicts what God says. Amen? He leads... With the Word and the Holy Spirit. And he led them away from the, the Philippines to not discourage them. Can you see what it had been like if they just got out of 400 years of bondage? They've been chased to the water edge. God put them in a place where the only way they were going to be delivered is by a miracle of God. They were between the mountains and the ocean. They were between a rock and a... And he made a way in the wilderness. Okay? That's where they ended up. And it didn't make sense to them to be there. You don't get, you know, if you're running and you've got somebody after you, you don't put yourself in a cul-de-sac. All right? You don't put yourself in a place where you can't see. But that's the difference with faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that's where we will stop the lesson today. Is we learn, as the Bible tells us, because it says, for what sort of things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope take a break